Good morning. It's such a great honor to be here among you this morning and to be able to bring God's word. A man from Africa, from Zambia, uh, just in Omaha, Nebraska, standing before God's people, is just so awesome how by the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's able to bring peoples of all races and tribes and languages and nations into one place to worship the living God. And this is just how heaven will be. Every tribe, every tongue, every people living together, praising God forever and ever. So it's, it's such a great honor for us really to, to be here uh, this morning. And again, I want to say thank you so much for loving us and loving our people and for your generosity uh, for those orphans and also just for the support as a church we have received. We couldn't have bought that piece of land had it not been for the gift that you gave. So thank you very much. This morning, the Lord brings me to you to perhaps challenge you to do one thing, and that is to cultivate and master God-glorifying courage. What is courage? Courage is that quality of mind, quality of heart, that enables you to face any challenge that you face because you have true convictions within yourself. That is courage. The willingness to honor God and do His will no matter the cost. That is courage. And God requires that those of us who worship Him will have that quality of courage as we face the many challenges that this world is experiencing today. Where I come from, we've been struggling with disease, HIV and AIDS. It's still there. Poverty is still there. We have orphans. In our governance system, sometimes corruption is very visible. And these are ills that sometimes the church just watches and says, it's not part of what we need to do. Ours is the word and the word and the word. I'm sure here you have many evils around. I'm sure you have some wayward children who have run away from home to go and live with some people that have led them into addictions and all these kinds of challenges. I'm sure you have disease around here. A few days ago, we went out uh, kayaking for the first time, thanks to Brookside. <laughs> but as we were interacting with people, we learned that there's one challenge here that's called the big C. And when a person goes to the hospital and they are told, oh, you have the big C, their lives are shattered. You know what I'm talking about? Cancer. Their lives are shattered. And they wonder, is there a God? 
And if God exists, is he good? Is he loving? Does he care? Is he concerned for my life? And they want some hope. Orphans back in Zambia want hope. Someone who's still hope within them. People here want hope. Someone is saying, how am I going to overcome my challenge with alcohol? They need someone, a believer, who can be able to nurture and master courage and walk with them until they are restored in the name of Jesus. And so this is why it is important that you and I master this virtue of courage. Because it is by courage that we step out to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, to change people's lives with the love that we have received from God. So this morning, I invite us to learn from one man who cultivated and mastered God-glorifying courage. And because of that, he was able to bring victory to God's people. God's people were restored and God's people glorified God's name because of this one man. And this one man is David. Many of us know the story of David and Goliath. First Samuel chapter 17. You can read about it. And this story has been told many places, many times in all generations of saints. And it's a story of courage. But how did it come about? So here's the scenario. There is a people group that has been resident on an island in the Mediterranean Sea and they feel compelled to move to the mainland, Palestine, so that there, perhaps they could find a better way of life. But as they go, they find people dwelling in that area, and the Israelites were living in mainland Palestine. And so these people called the Philistines, they come over to a town called Sokoa, and they, they camp there. And, and King Saul is told, we have intruders in our land. Would you please lead us on? And so Israel marches out to battle. And the Bible says, they come to the valley of Elah. So the Philistines on one side, on the hillside, and the, the Israelites on another hill. But then the Philistines employ a tactic that Satan uses mostly to keep us from glorifying God's name. And that is intimidation. So they have this giant named Goliath. And the Bible says he was a man of great stature. Some theologians have said perhaps six uh, feet eight. Others have even said about nine feet uh, four. He was a giant in any case. Just the look of him scared you. And so they posted this guy in front of everyone else. And he had a very strong armor on himself. He had a spear. He had a sword. He had a dagger. And he kept challenging them. If there is ever a man in Israel, let him step forth and come. And I will show you. 
I will kill him and give his flesh to the birds. And so the whole camp of Israel is intimidated. And there is hopelessness, there is helplessness in Israel. Why? Because this army is huge and they have a giant. And God's people are wondering, are we ever going to be restored? Are we ever going to overcome? Back in the village, there is a father who has three of his sons at the battlefield. And he calls his youngest son, who was only good for the field, taking care of the father's flock. He says to him, well, come. I need you to take supplies to your brothers. They need some nourishment for them to be strong. But also, here is a package to give to their commander. You know, sometimes it's good to be good to those who have influence over your children. So he gives this extra pack, just so that he may ensure whatever happens in the battlefield, his sons perhaps will not be in the front line. <laughs> but in any case, David is sent. But when he arrives at the camp, he's so shocked by what he finds. He finds this army of God's people led by King Saul, a man a head taller than everyone else. They are all intimidated by this force coming after them. And they are not so sure whether the sun will shine again. But this young man, when he comes and he sees this giant come to the front again and begins to taunt God's people, he says, what is going to be done to a man who steps up to the challenge? We are under invasion. We are being oppressed by that man and that army. What will be done? And they told him, the king has promised wealth. And if perhaps if wealth doesn't mean much, he has promised his beautiful daughter to any man who will step up. David, to cut the long story short, offers himself to go. He fights this giant, kills this giant, and brings courage and morale and tenacity in the camp of God. And they go after the Philistines and they conquer. And that day, Israel was saved and restored from that intrusion. A shepherd boy won the victory for the masses. And so the big question is, what motivated that shepherd boy, a good-for-nothing boy, only suited for the fields and for the flock? What would motivate that boy to be the one that wins the victory for God's people? What would motivate you and I to be the ones that help to change the total score of humanity and the world as we live in. There's so many challenges around. But what is it that would provoke us to do something about the wrong that we see? Believe you me, the church today is intimidated. People will call sin simply a feeling 
and they will say, as long as I feel good, it is okay. And the church says, fine, it is okay. Intimidated. The church can't stand up. Why? Because there is no courage in the camp. People are dying of hunger in certain places and the church is just saying, well, perhaps that's the way it ought to be. It's okay. No courageous men and women who are prepared to say, I will do something about it no matter the resource I have around myself. So what is it that motivated David? Three things quickly. Number one, David had such a high view of God. And all the world today is actually despising the majesty of God. They're beginning to question God. And Christians, we are put in a corner. You cannot say this about God. You cannot confess God publicly. After all, there is no God, some will say. David didn't believe that. David believed there was a God in Israel. And if you read with me, 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, it says, And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy? What? The armies of the living God. David understood that the God of Israel was no cheap God. He was the living God, the source of life without end. And if God was living, then he was personal with his people. He was actively engaged in the affairs of his people and he was concerned for their every detail. That's David's view of God. And he knew that if he stepped up, this God will step up even more. He knew that this God, the God of Israel, was different. Now, the Philistines actually had a God and his name was Dagon. And he was represented by this huge statue. And if you read 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 2 to 7, you'll find an account where one time the Philistines came into the Israelite camp and they stole the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and went and put it in the temple of Dagon. And the Bible says every morning the priests went there, they found the statue bowing to the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So it was already clear in history that the God of Israel was living God and the God of the Philistines was simply an inanimate statue which can do nothing to fight back. And so David looks around and he says, we have the living God. They have a statue. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You see, a higher view of God provides for a child of God great impetus to be courageous against all odds. And so David was able to garner his strength. He believed 
that God, the Christian God, the God of Israel, is a God who is concerned for his people. Believe me, our God is concerned for everything in our world today that has gone out of balance. He is concerned, but he's looking around. Will I find someone who believes me that much that they will trust me to go ahead and do my will? But secondly, David trusted God's ability to rescue and to deliver his people. So word comes to King Saul, and King Saul is told, there is a young man in the camp who is offering to go and fight on our behalf. And so he says, bring him over. If you read verse 37, verse 34 to 37, there is, it's, it's very interesting what transpires. David said to Saul, when he, when he comes to Saul, he is challenged by Saul. I thought you were man enough, but seeing you, you are a boy. You cannot step out and fight. This guy that is challenging us has been fighting all his life. And he's such a warrior and he has stature. You are a boy. You cannot fight. Look at the answer he gives. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. 35. In fact, we, we, we cross over to 36. Your servant has struck down both lions and what? Bears. And then he says, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. He trusted God to save, God to overcome. He trusted God to deliver. So he was not afraid. And you know why the world is not receiving help? It is because there is fear in the church. Fear to challenge the systems of the world. Fear to go and face the challenges in the world, to face the struggles, the pressures that come with helping other people. Fear in the camp. But this young man says, I'm only a shepherd boy. My father threw me into the fields to look after the flock. But there I saw the hand of God. Through my shepherd boy trials, I have a testimony. I've seen the hand of God over my life. And I've come to trust God that even this giant that stands before us today will fall because my God is able. Isn't our God able? Isn't he able to save a sinner? Isn't he able to give food to a child who needs food? Isn't he able to give victory to someone struggling with some addiction? Isn't he able to bring people of different races together and to live as one? Our God is able. But he's looking for someone who will trust him with his ability. You know, it's not by might. It's not by our power. It's by the spirit of the living God. But all we need to do is trust him. If we have a high view of God, he will show up in our lives and we can surely trust him and go with him. 
to face any challenge that is confronting God's people. But thirdly, David was so passionate for God's glory. For him, what mattered the most was that God was glorified in any situation. He saw actually opposition. He saw that, he saw that invasion. He saw strife as an opportunity to glorify God. When you hear about a struggle that a particular group of society is facing, do you see that as an opportunity to glorify God? Or do you see that as a pressure that is demanding of you something you treasure? David comes to this battlefront, says, yes, now I have chance to glorify the God who has seen me through the thick and thin of the fields and of the bushes of the wilderness as I've been looking after the flock. Now I have a chance to honor him and give him all the praise. And he says, I will go and fight. And he stepped up. So this giant comes to him quickly as we wind down. He comes to him and he says to him, they have brought you a boy to me. Come on. I will finish you. I will deliver you over to the wild animals and to the birds. They must have a feast over you because how can you, Israel, bring such a novice to fight against me? But look at what he says in verse 46, the second part of it and verse 47. He says today, God will give you to me and he will give your camp to us. We will overcome. Why? Because there is a bigger picture, Goliath, that you cannot see, that I can see. And the bigger picture is, as I win, the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. Why must you master that courage and step out and meet some need? Change some life. Change some situation. Be a solution to a problem. Why must you step out? Because the world is looking to see the revelation of our God. And they will only see God through the courage of one man and one woman who steps out to fight the evil in this world. When you are passionate for God's glory, he will actually glorify himself among the nations through you. But there is a second thing in verse 47. He also looks at Israel and he sees the timidity in the camp. And he says, I'm not only doing this that God may be glorified among the nations, I am stepping out so that God may be glorified in this assembly. What assembly? Israel's army. Because there's so much fear. So he says, this assembly, all this assembly, we will know that the Lord says, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand. This young man then goes to fight. He wins this fight with Goliath, and the whole army runs behind him, and overcomes the Philistine army. 
and Israel was saved. Israel was restored. And revival came to Israel because they experienced God once again as a God who saves. Are we looking for revival in the church? It will take courage from each one of us to do God-glorifying things among ourselves and in our city and as we glorify God that way. God will bring his spirit to overtake each one of us and just to bring a sweet movement. Let me close by saying this. David's high view of God, his trust in his God, and his passion for God's glory brought him to a place where he could challenge intimidation and invasion, oppression, and restore the goodwill of God's people because he mastered courage within. And may I say God is on a mission in his world today, wanting to save, wanting to heal, wanting to supply food, wanting to bring peace. But he's looking in the church. Is there one man that is willing to go on a plane to Zambia and just love one more often? Is there one woman that is willing to go to the Dominican Republic and just do ministry there and love one more person there? Is there one man at Brookside that is fired up to go into the city and begin to change some of the challenges that you face here? God is looking, and that person is you. And I challenge you, to give room to God in your life. Give God room in your life to show you that he cares, that he's concerned about the needs of others, about the evils in the world, and he wants to do something about it through your life. Give room to God. I challenge you this morning, you are the one That God is inviting to trust him with your life. To trust him with his ability. That you can go with him. And help bring spiritual solutions. Help bring even social solutions to our dying world. It is you that God is inviting this morning to offer yourself to pursue God-glorifying assignments. Will you say yes to God? Say, God, I'll be ready to go with you. Wherever you send me, whatever challenge you bring before me, I am ready to step up. Use me, I'm ready. Let me pray for us as we close this morning. Father in heaven, open our eyes to see the many injustices in this world, the many evils in this world that we need to help overcome. Give us a desire for you that we may know you more and experience you in our lives, to trust you enough to pursue an agenda that will glorify your holy name. 
Thank you for this word. And we know you'll give us the ability to master courage. In Jesus' name, amen.